Employment Hour, the number 1-855-821-5900 and help at employmenthour.com. We'll get some emails over the hour here. But first, we always get to the week that was. So uh, what do you got for me this week? Hey, Johnny. Thank hey, you very much. Hey, always, always a pleasure to be back here at Employment Law, the Employment Hour. Let's talk and let's educate and hopefully we can... Uh, uh, demystify this area of law. It's actually not that complicated, but there's so many misconceptions, so many half-truths out there, and that's why we spend this time uh, on this show every time we were on to talk about this issue, to, to help people, and I'm glad that people are listening. And uh, you know, So if you, you want to know something about your workplace rights, whether your employer can do something to you, uh, hang in there with us uh, for the next hour. Uh, we'll we'll cover a lot of topics. And to get us warmed up and started here, let's talk about the week that was. A mm-hmm. couple of uh, situations that I dealt with. Um, the first one involved a very small business uh, that uh, had decided, hey, we can be more efficient. No problem. So what they decided to do is, is cut their workforce, a very small workforce, uh, from eight people to four people. Uh, except they, they weren't really slower. They just decided they could be more efficient. So what happened is the work of the eight w- is not going to have to be done by the four. Of course. So uh, as it so happens, the four people remaining, including the one person, the gentleman that contacted me, were now working round the clock. It was an insane amount of workload. They were trying to do their job and someone else's job, try to handle uh, matters that they weren't familiar with round the clock. Now, make it worse, these folks were in the IT field, and people in the IT field are not uh, don't qualify for overtime, right. so they can't even get paid overtime. So the employer is effectively asking them to, to work double. We're not going to pay you anymore, and you know you have to grin and bear it ultimately. Well, it got so bad that this person, you know, it started impacting his health. He wasn't sleeping, he wasn't eating, he had lost weight. Uh, eventually, he called me and, and he said, "Well, what what can I do here?" Uh, so what I told them is this, if your employer is now doubling your workload, they're not paying you more, they're just expecting you to do more than what you should be, clearly that is a constructive dismissal. That is a significant change to the terms of your employment. Now that your workload has been doubled, you don't have to accept it. You don't have to do this work. You can treat your employment as being terminated, leave, and get severance. Yep. He was extremely, John, extremely relieved to hear that because he literally couldn't handle it anymore. The guy had been there for about five years. So he's owed, you know, seven, eight months compensation, seven to eight months uh, severance. And now I'm, I'm, I'm helping him uh, with this. So uh, this is actually not an uncommon situation where your, your actual job responsibilities may not have changed. Your compensation has not changed, but your workload has increased so much that it's now really a different job that you're doing. Right. In that situation, you absolutely do have the right to treat that as a constructive dismissal. Uh, you, you certainly have a right to try it out for a while. You can see if, if, if this is manageable, how this is going to impact you. But if it does impact you like it did this gentleman uh, over time, you can li- literally uh, say this is, this is not what we bargained for. Enough is enough. And treat that as a constructive dismissal. Leave and get severance. So if any of our listeners are in that situation, before you resign, before you say the words constructive dismissal, I want you to call me, but remember that you don't have to accept such a change to your workload. You can do uh, something about it. Uh, it is much more common that uh, you may realize. That number, one 821 What else you got? The second situation uh, involved uh, a, a lady that had uh, worked as a salesperson for a company for 12 years and was let go. Now, what was unique, and I, I say unique in quotation marks because this happens more often than not, is that for the 12 years, that she had worked there, she was treated as an independent contractor. Mm. 
For some reason, John, this is quite common with salespeople. A lot of employers have salespeople, but they treat them as independent contractors rather than employees. Uh, and and uh, they assume that that's really what they are. And this lady as well, when she was let go, they told her, we're going to pay you eight weeks pay, uh, you know, almost as a gratuitous payment. Except, John, guess what? She had worked there for 12 years. She worked exclusively for them. She earned all her income from this company. She was an employee. Not even a question about yeah. it. Even though for 12 years she was treated as an independent contractor, she in the, she, uh, in the sense that she invoiced the company, she wasn't on their payroll or their benefits plan in the eyes of the law, she was an employee. So because of that, forget about eight weeks' pay. She's easily going to be owed a year's pay, even potentially a bit more than that. And, and that's exactly what my job is going to be over the next few weeks is to get her that compensation. So I wanted to mention that because a lot of our listeners, whether they're in a sales position or in a different kind of position, may believe or may think that they are, they are independent contractors because they don't get benefits or because they're not on the payroll and they pay their own taxes. Well, in the eyes of the law, you may well and probably are an employee. If you have a regular job, if you go to work every day, guess what? You are an employee, not an independent contractor. That is especially important if you lose that job because now you're owed severance like any other employee. So don't assume that just because you've been taxed as an independent contractor, you really are. In most cases, that's that's not the way it is. I bet you, you know, sometimes it's a case with employers, especially that they may start off as, you know, uh, independent contractors and they become employees, but they don't make any formal change to that that employee that just kind of slips through the cr uh, cracks and ends up biting them in the rear end, you know, a year later, 17 years later, right? Yeah. I mean, and here's a, a scenario that could happen. So, uh, you know, you start off, you know, let's say for the first five years, whatever it is, an, as an independent contractor. After five years, you, you now become an employee. Two years later, they let you go. Well, are you a two-year employee or a seven-year employee? Well, no, you are a seven-year employee because the first five years you probably were still an employee, at least in the eyes of the law, even though you may not have been treated formally right. as such. So that service does count. So that's why it's so important not to forget about time spent as an independent contractor because if the law considers you to be an employee, you should be compensated on that basis. Give me some details here before we break about the uh, severance pay calculator. Love this tool. You know, John, I, for some reason over the past uh, few weeks here since uh, the fall started, uh, we've really been getting even more people contacting us through the severance calculator. That, that makes me really, really happy because people are getting the message. They're starting to understand that that's an important tool that, that you have to use. So if you haven't heard about it, first of all, it's severancepaycalculator.com. Again, severancepaycalculator.com. And you, it's a tool that you use to find out exactly how much you're owed if you lost your job. So you input your age, your position, and the length of your employment, and you find out immediately whether you're owed six-month severance, 12-month severance, anything else. It's accurate, it's free, and it's completely anonymous. It's the only tool that calculates accurately what your full entitlements are. The government can't give you information about your full entitlements, only your minimum entitlements. That's why you have to use the severance calculator. Make it the very first place you go to if you lost your job, severancepaycalculator.com. We'll take a short break. In the meantime, we're going to get back with this topic. I love it. A list here. Things that can get you fired for cause and things that cannot. You don't want to miss this. The number, 1-855-821-5900. you want to... Uh, Toss an email our way over the next uh, hour or so. Uh, you can do so at help at employmenthour.com. As Lior just mentioned, severancepaycalculator.com. Find out what you're really owed right here. More of the Employment Hour coming right up. Talk Radio, AM 640, AM 900, CHML.
The number anytime, 1-855-821-5900 and help at employmenthour.com. We'll get into this discussion. That is things that can get you fired for cause and things that cannot. Uh, let me throw a couple of these at you. Violence or threat of violence. We'll start there. Yeah, you know, let, let's talk about that, violence, et cetera. And, 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 you know, as we do or before we do, let, let's just set the stage here. And, and that is that it is extremely difficult to terminate for cause. Now, a termination for cause is one that allows the company to let someone go without compensation, without severance. It is very, very difficult to terminate someone for cause. It is usually considered the, the capital punishment, the death penalty of the employment relationship because just like the the death penalty it's for the worst offenders Mm -hmm. so you may have done something wrong john maybe even you did a few things wrong but that's not the question the question is what whether whatever you did wrong is bad enough to be caused in most cases the answer it isn't because you know again it's not that bad and most employers in many cases pull the trigger well before they should and they let someone go for cause when there's really no cause. Not because the employee didn't do something wrong, because it's not all the way there to that level. So certainly if you've been let go for cause, unless you did something awful, we're going to talk about it right now, some some examples, uh, you've been wrongfully dismissed, which means you're owed full compensation, full severance, you absolutely have to give me a call. And and to talk about some examples of things that you really, uh, that can terminate you for cause, as you said, violence, threats of violence, that's a big deal. You know, something like that, uh, using violence in the workplace, threatening someone with violence is completely inconsistent with the continuation of the employment relationship. An employer has to protect itself and other employees, clients, customers from violence. And, and you can't do that if you're leaving someone in the workplace that's violent. So, yes, that is one of those sins that if you've, uh, you've been violent, maybe you've threatened to beat someone up, uh, you know, certainly, uh, if that's not in a joking way, that could absolutely be cause, mm-hmm. and that's an example of the type of serious conduct that we're talking about when it comes to a termination for cause. Uh, and an employee can and probably should uh, let someone go for cause if they've been violent in the workplace, unless, of course, they're just defending themselves. Right. Uh, you should not tolerate violence in the workplace in, uh, ever. One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred is the number. We're talking about things that can get you fired for cause, things that cannot. Uh, we're going to continue under the yes column, and the yes column would be obviously this one. I guess we hear a lot about this as of late: sexual harassment. Yeah, and it is uh, it is a huge uh, one. Sexual harassment, even other types of harassment, of course, but but sexual harassment is is a, a very big one. Again, an employer does have an obligation to protect employees, to protect protect others from sexual harassment and, and other harassment as well. So you know, sexual harassment is such a serious uh, matter that if someone is guilty of that, then you absolutely have to take measures, and, and it is appropriate to terminate for cause. You, it is appropriate. You should be doing that. The thing, of course. You have to be certain, of course, that the person did, in fact, commit the mm-hmm. crime. You can't say, well, you know, we heard that you did, therefore you did, so we're going to let you go for cause. You have to investigate that. You have to ask the right question, talk to the right people, and make a reasonable conclusion. Because if you get it wrong, if you accuse someone of sexual harassment, let them go for cause, and it turns out that there isn't any cause, you didn't do your work, that's a wrongful dismissal. Uh, the employer could be liable for significant compensation. 
But if the employee did it, yes, sexual harassment is, is one of those bad crimes that can absolutely be caused. You shouldn't be engaging in that uh, situation. Uh, the laws are very clear. There could be human rights issues as well. So, yeah, if you know that the employee did that, that is cause, John. You know, I th- we did a, it must have been over a year ago, we did a show on this exact topic focusing basically on harassment. And I remember you at that time saying uh, people assume it's always men against women. It's surprising how much time it goes the other way around. Absolutely. It does go the other way around. It could be women against women, women against men, men against men. Uh, it, it isn't, you know, it, it's easy to think, well, if it's sexual harassment or harassment generally, it's a man harassing a woman. Not at all. Yeah. Uh, it, it's, it is probably more common to see men against women, but far from being the case. So just because you're a guy doesn't mean you can't be harassed, sexually harassed. And by the way, being sexually harassed doesn't mean that someone is, is, is groping you or touching you mm-hmm. inappropriately. It could be sexual comments and other types of behavior that's otherwise unwelcome that could constitute sexual harassment. Uh, and, uh, you know, if you refuse someone else's advances and as a result of that, you get penalized. That could easily be sexual harassment. So it is a broad topic. None of that conduct, of course, is acceptable. None of that conduct should be tolerated. Under the column of yes for things that can get you fired for cause, theft. guess that one's a big fat obvious, but... Uh, you know, you know. It, it is obvious. And, and the reason why it's obvious, John, is because you cannot continue working somewhere if you steal. I mean, that is a basic thing, right? It's completely inconsistent with having a job if you steal from your employer. So, yes, if you, if you stole, then that's going to be cause. Believe it or not, though, John... Oftentimes, there's a fine line here because what if you take something that's, that's not yours from your employer, but you know what? You thought you could. Uh, you've done it in the past. Everyone's a, a turned a blind eye to it. Right. Maybe you work at a dental office and you're taking those uh, toothbrushes that they have. Yeah. Uh, technically, yes, that's theft. But if it's kind of one of those practices that everyone does it, no one really says anything about it, you actually cannot be let go for cause in that situation because it's not really going to be theft. So even in situations where someone does, you know, quote unquote, steal, there may be exceptions. It, it is that hard to let someone go for cause. But if it's actual theft, you've been caught, you know, going to the safe, taking money, taking product. Yeah, that that's something that's a sin that's inexcusable. But that's also an example, John, of the type of serious conduct that rises to the level of cause. We've talked about theft, mm-hmm. violence, sexual harassment. You know, we haven't said the word uh, being late. We haven't said the word bad performance. We'll talk about those things. But right now we're talking about such serious conduct that it is cause. And believe me, John, that's actually fairly rare. We'll slide this one in under the break, and that would be fraud under the yes column as well for getting fired. Yeah, you know, fraud and theft kind of almost go hand in hand. Things that your employer, that you do to your employer that now they can't trust you. If you, uh, you know, forge documents, if you do something to compromise integrity, your integrity or the company's integrity, uh, usually that's cause why. Because, well, the employer now can't trust you anymore. How can I trust you? Even though you you said you won't do it again, how can I trust you? Can I risk it? Hmm. So if you're engaged in fraud uh, and uh, you've done it and the employer can prove that, that is cause. Uh, That is serious conduct. That is the type of conduct uh, that that can let you go for cause. But again, that is going to be rare, John. Usually the employer lets go someone for cause for reasons that are not even close to being you know, theft, violence, fraud, sexual yeah. harassment, and that would make it a wrongful dismissal. We'll take a quick break. We'll finish off the yes column of things that can get you fired for cause and things that cannot. Uh, the number, 1-855-821-5900. And emails, we'll get to some of those in just a bit. It is help at employmenthour.com. Employment Hour rolls on on Talk Radio AM 640 and AM 900 CHML.
1-855-821-5900 and help at employmenthour.com. you got some time during the show while you're listening to uh, Lior explain the topics. You can go to severancepaycalculator.com as well. Interesting tool for figuring out what you would actually be owed under the common law, what you're owed, I said, under the common law if you uh, if you lost your job. So check it out, severancepaycalculator.com. We were talking about things that will get you fired for cause, things that uh, will not. We'll finish off the yes column of things that will, and that would be repeated offenses. Yeah, and and you know that that is probably uh, something that we should elaborate on, and, and that is this: usually, to fire someone for cause, unless it's a serious, serious offense like theft, violence, etc., in order to fire someone for cause, you have to show that there's, there's a pattern of behavior. You can't just say, "Well, it only happened once," so you have to show that the person did it again. And beyond that, that you, as the employer, tried to fix the problem. So you, you've spoken to them about it. You've given them a warning, maybe even a suspension. You've done what you can to make the conduct stop. So maybe someone that uses vulgar language in the workplace that's inappropriate, let's say, in an office environment. You can't necessarily fire someone for that if they did it once. You can't fire them for cause at all for that if they did it once. But if this happens again and again and you've spoken to them and you've given them an opportunity and you've warned them and you've told them what's going to happen, if they continue with this behavior and they still do it, they still don't get it, or maybe they just don't care, mm-hmm. well, at some point, that's going to rise to the level of cause. Uh, you know, unfortunately, what I see, in most situations, the employer not wanting to go through that process, the employer is going to often say, well, we want to skip some steps. You know, he did something that's unacceptable. He, he spoke rudely or he used profanity. We want him gone. We're going to let him go for cause. That is jumping the gun. You cannot go from zero to cause that way. You have to build up your case. And if you're an employee and your employer did jump the gun, did skip steps, didn't provide you warnings, etc., you've been wrongfully dismissed, mm-hmm. you're owed compensation, you really should give me a call. Things that will not get you fired for cause now. This is probably where the gray area comes in where employers, as you said, pull the trigger much too soon. We'll start with this one, isolated incidents. Yeah, you know, just uh, that's a corollary to what I was just talking about. If you did something bad, but he did it once, unless the thing you did badly was violence, theft, unless it's that bad, you can almost never be let go for cause. Our highest court in this country, the Supreme Court of Canada, has made it clear that isolated incident uh, of misconduct is not cause. So if you were uh, if you made a huge mistake on a, on a project, or you were really late, or you lost a client, or uh, you you said things you shouldn't have said, again, if it's an isolated incident, it's not cause. You cannot be let go for cause. If you are, that's a wrongful dismissal, clearly, and that is really probably the most common situation that I see. When someone yes did something wrong, clearly they did something they shouldn't have done. They know they did something wrong, but it's really an isolated incident. They're let go for cause, and the question becomes then, can the employer do this? The answer is no, they cannot. That is a wrongful dismissal. An isolated incident, even if you did it, even if it's bad, mm-hmm. usually it's not going to be cause. Uh, it would make it a wrongful dismissal. one 821 5900 and help at employmenthour.com. We're talking about things that can and cannot get you fired for cause. On to the note column. We're in it, and uh, this one, poor performance, too. It is very difficult, John, to let someone go for, uh, uh, for cause as a result of poor performance. Ultimately, what you would have to show as the employer is that the employee's poor performance is almost done on purpose, that they're, they're on, on purpose trying to avoid working hard or, 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 or screwing up or not caring. 
If it's just one of those things where the employee is just not able to do the job at the level that we want them to, it's never, well, it's not, I'm not going to say never, but it's almost never going to be cause. So you may provide a warning and you may provide training and it still may not be cause if the employee really is doing their best to, to improve and do the job that they want. So if you've been let go because your employer wasn't uh, happy with your performance, if the employer is trying to say that's cause and they don't have, they, they want to pay you your full severance, well, no, that is something they cannot do. That's a wrongful dismissal. And, and one thing I should note here, John, is there's no such thing as, well, it's almost cause, so mm. therefore we don't have to pay as much. No such thing as almost yeah. cause. Either it's 100% cause or it's zero. There's nothing in between. And if it's not 100%, it's only 99.5, that is zero, which means you get your full entitlements. You don't get a portion of it. And, and again, poor performance, probably the, the toughest way to terminate someone for cause. Uh, I have yet to see a situation where someone was let go for cause or poor performance where it really was cause. Almost always, it's not going to be cause. It's like we used to say in the show, can't get a little bit pregnant, right? Got to go all the way. You got exactly, to right? go all the way. I have not yet seen someone 80% pregnant. I have not yet seen 80% cause. It just doesn't exist. I remember you mentioned, uh, you know, under that, uh, under that topic as well, that there was a guy, I think, came by your office, I think two or three times he knocked over a bunch of uh, pallets with a lift truck and they let him go for cause and it still wasn't cause. It was just, it, you know, poor performance. It was cause, you know. It was poor performance. Big time. Clearly that's someone that, uh, you know, not very good at his job, but he wasn't doing it on purpose. He was still trying. Now, can you let him go without cause? Sure. But you have to pay severance mm -hmm. uh, at the very least, at a bare minimum. You have to engage in some sort of a either a disciplinary process or a training protocol to help the person improve. Uh, and you can't jump the gun. You know, it's like a ladder. You can't skip rungs on the ladder. You have to do it step by step. We'll squeeze this one in before the break, and that is being late. This might shock everybody too. Yeah, you know, and, and the reason I put this on the list, John, is because I see it so often. I see so often people let go, quote unquote, for cause because of uh, you know poor attendance or them being late. Now, I want to make it clear: uh, if you have a job and you're expected to work at nine o'clock, you should be there at nine o'clock, or you know even a few minutes before. You shouldn't be coming in at nine thirty. I'm not advocating to people to say, "Ah, yeah, Lior says it's not cause, so I can come in whenever I want." Not at all. It is inappropriate to come in late, but that's not the question. The question is: Is it cause if you are late? In most cases, John, it's not. The only time it could be caused, if this is really a repeated problem where they've talked to you, they've given you a chance after chance, they've warned you. Maybe even they said, you know, this is your last chance, uh, John. If you're late again, we're going to have no choice. And clearly you don't get it and there's no excuse. At that point, it may be caused. But they can't say, well, listen, John, you were late three times last week. We're going to let you go. Again, you're skipping steps there. So oftentimes attendance, punctuality are things that employers take seriously, as they should, but that does not mean that if you're let go because of these things, that's cause. Almost, no, almost always it's not going to be, just because, as I said, John, it's so difficult to let someone go for cause. Very, very difficult. We'll continue this discussion. Things that get you fired for cause, things that don't, one 821 and help at employmenthour.com. Employment Hour rolls on. It's Talk Radio AM 640 and AM 900 CHML. 1-855-821-5900 and help at employmenthour.com. We'll wrap this sucker up. We're talking about things that get you fired for cause and things that cannot. And the last one is insubordination under the no column. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, insubordination is, again, a serious thing. If, if you're, you know, and by the way, what do we mean by insubordination? 
we mean situation where you're not doing what you're supposed to, what your employer is asking you legitimately to do. So if your employer asks you to do something that's legitimate, you say, no, I'm not going to do it. That's insubordination. Uh, you know, we often think insubordination in terms of, you know, children and parents. The same thing applies in the employment relationship with an employee is not doing something that they've been told to do. Now, that's not good. You know, if your employer gives you a, a legitimate direction, you should do it, again, as long as it's legitimate. But if you don't, that does not mean that that is cause. Again, unless there's a prior disciplinary record, unless this is a, recur a recurring problem where there's been issues before, you've been warned, you can't be insubordinate, you have to do what you're told. If this happens again, you lose your job. If that's what's happened, if the employers build up its case against you, then yeah, you can be let go for cause as a result of insubordination. Otherwise, if it's an isolated incident or if it's something that's not common or par for the course for you as an employee, that is not cause. And, and because of that, John, it's, uh, it makes it a wrongful dismissal. Now, I, I think that, that the message here that I'm, I'm trying to send for employers and employees, again, it is that hard, very difficult to terminate for cause. And in fact, it's, it's probably even getting harder based on more recent decisions from our courts. So whenever someone's let go, I, I don't ask, you know, or, or think in my head, did they do something wrong? I want to know is whether they did, whether the thing that they did is bad enough to be caused. So that's mm -hmm. the question you should ask yourself. If you're not sure if what you did is bad enough to be caused and you've been let go for cause, call me. We can talk about it. I can tell you. Uh, in, in many cases, just because it's so difficult, you'll find out that it's not cause and that you're owed full compensation. one 821 5900 is that number. So what happens if the employer gets this wrong? Well, you know, like I said, it's all or nothing, right? If the employer makes the wrong call, we think we can let this employee go for cause, but, you know, it's not really cause. It doesn't rise to that level. Then they've, they've gotten it wrong. They screwed up. That means in the eyes of the law, that's a termination without cause, and they're owed, the employee's owed full severance. That is the distinction between cause and no cause is this concept of severance. You get full compensation, full severance if you've been let go uh, without cause. You get no severance if, if you've been let go for cause. Beyond that, though, there's another reason why we should care whether we let go for cause, and that is, you know, what are we going to tell future employers? If we, you know, been let go for cause, quote-unquote, and we're now going to another job interview, we may be asked, hey, why aren't you working for the previous company? And if we say, yeah, they let me go for cause, that's going to be a problem. You may not get the job. So that's why it's so important to deal with these termination for cause because oftentimes when someone comes to me, they've been let go for cause when they shouldn't have been. Not only do I work on getting them compensation, I work on essentially turning the clock back and reframing and rephrasing their termination as a termination without cause so that they can legitimately say to an, a prospective employer, I was let go without cause. And that could be truthful and honest. And we'll even get a record of employment that confirms that. So it's, there's very good reasons as to why you as an employee would have to uh, do something about an improper termination for cause. It's not just about severance. So on the flip side, what does the employer have to do to build up its case so it can eventually let that employee go for cause? You know, invariably, whenever I talk about cause, uh, I, I get calls and emails from employers saying, okay, well, I want to do things right. I don't want to be wrongfully dismissing people. So how do I legitimately terminate someone for cause? Well, the best advice is you have to build up your case. Unless someone did something, you know, one of the deadly sins, theft, violence, uh, uh, fraud, sexual harassment, unless someone did that, you have to have a record. So if someone is engaging in, in behavior or conduct that's not acceptable, 
first of all, there has to be a record of that. You can't, it can't be a he said, she said. And beyond the record, you want to be able to show as the employer that you've done something about it, that you've told the employee that's unacceptable, that you put that in writing, that you've provided a warning. Maybe you, beyond the warning, you've even gone to a suspension. And every time it did it, maybe you engaged in, you did something more serious. So first time it happened, you gave them a, a, a written warning. Second, there was a sterner warning. Third time, now you've provided a suspension. Fourth time, you can say, you know what, enough is enough. What more can I do here? I've tried a warning, a second warning, even, I even suspended you. Now you've done it again. Now I can let you go for cause. So you have to build up your case step by step. Remember those you know, rungs on the ladder. That's the way to look at it. If you've done that, if you've done your homework, you can let someone go for cause. Or, you know what, I've told employers this, if this is too much trouble, you want the person gone and you don't want to engage in this process, fine. Let them go today, but treat that as a termination without cause and pay them the full severance. Mm -hmm. you, you can't have it both ways. You can't jump the gun and not pay. You know, one of those two things have to happen. You want to let go someone now, pay them what you owe them. If you're willing to take the time, take the time and build up your case. So uh, one of those two things have to happen. Let me slide this in before we break. So what does the employee do on the flip side of that if they feel like a case is being built up against them? Yeah, and, and you know, so you, you listen to me and you say, wait a second, this is exactly what my employer is doing. They're building up this case to potentially let me go for cause. Well, the first things you have to do is, is, is the, the issues that the employer is alleging against you, are they legitimate? Are you really doing what they're saying you're doing? If you are doing it, well, you know, obviously you have to work on improving and, and not engaging in the behavior that they're complaining about. If it's not legitimate, put that in writing. You know, if your employer is alleging bad performance or insubordination and you don't agree with it, put that in writing. Send them an email confirming what's actually happened. Tell them why you disagree with the complaints, why you disagree that your performance wasn't good. Maybe it wasn't your fault. Maybe there were other circumstances. And build up your own case. If, if your employer is saying you did something have the documents, the emails, etc., available to you that show that that wasn't really what happened. Build up your own case because if your employer later turns around and lets you go for cause, you now have a, the ability to respond. You have the ability to establish that there wasn't a, any cause. So you can't just sit there and ignore it. Uh, you respond to the employer, put your position in writing, build up your own case to make sure that you can properly deal with the termination for cause. And if you're not sure how to do that, if your employer is uh, keeps you know harassing you and bullying you, give me a call. We can find a way to uh, to to deal with that together. Uh, but don't just sit back and ignore it. One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred and help at employmenthour dot com. We'll get to an email as soon as we come back from a short break on the Employment Hour Talk Radio AM six forty AM nine hundred CHML. 1-855-821-5900 and help at employmenthour.com. The address used uh, by many, including Adam, says, I was given an ultimatum to either resign or be fired because the owner of the company caught me talking on Skype at the office. I have until Monday to decide. That's my deadline. What do I do? Yeah, well, I'm going to tell you right now, too, that you're not going to resign. Uh, because if, you, if you've been using Skype in the office, again, this goes back to what we said. That's not cause. Mm -hmm. uh, unless, of course, you've been doing this a long time. They've talked to you about it. They've warned you. They said you better stop or else. And, and they put that all in writing and you're still doing it. Well, at that point, I can't help you. You know, whether you resign or terminate for cause, it doesn't matter. You're not going to get any compensation. But if you were using Skype, yeah, you know what? I probably should have been working rather than using Skype. They caught me. They called me on it. Is that going to be cause? No. So that's why you're not going to resign. Because if they want to let you go, well, I can't stop them. But the law would consider that to be a termination without cause, which means you get severance. 
So you're not going to resign because if you resign, you don't get any compensation. Uh, let them let you go. Let you go. That's always better to be let go than to resign. Mm -hmm. Okay. It's ne people think in some situations better to resign. No nonsense. That's never the case. We've talked about this on the show before. So uh, let them do what they need to do. And if in fact uh, that happens, give me a call and we can make sure that you got your full severance. In the meantime, you can use the severance calculator, severancepaycalculator.com to find out how much you'd be owed. I know we talk about it and you get a lot of uh, questions and phone calls about medical leave uh, and LTD coverage when it's denied. So what, what does an employer do with respect to their employer if LTD is denied? So yeah, here's a, it's a very common situation. Uh, you're not well, you're, you're, you're off work on a medical leave, you have an insurance policy, a short-term disability, a long-term disability, you apply for this disability coverage, and the insurance company says, no, we're not going to cover you. Uh, and then all of a sudden your employer is telling you, well, the insurance company says you don't qualify, so you have to come back to work or else. So, so let's break this down. First of all, it is very common, and you know this quite well, John, because you've talked about these things with, uh, with Sivan Tamarkin, uh, that oftentimes what uh, an, uh, an insurance company cuts you off or says you don't qualify for disability coverage, they're actually wrong. That They should be uh, allowing you to, to be on a disability. If your doctor is saying you can't work, mm -hmm. you should really give us a call at that point because we should be able to resolve the matter with your insurance company. Now, with respect to your employer, it doesn't actually matter what the insurance company says. As long as you've provided your doctor with the note that says, I cannot work, as long as the doctor is saying that, whether you've, you've qualified for disability coverage, whether you haven't been qualified, or whether you've been cut off disability, doesn't change the fact that you're still allowed to be off work on a medical leave of absence. Whether you qualify for disability uh, is very different than whether you're allowed to be off work. The only thing you need to be off work is a doctor saying you cannot work. If that's what the doctor says, your employer can say, well, I will go with the insurance company's views uh, over, over your doctors. They cannot do that. If they do insist that you come back to work, if they threaten you, that's wrong. There could be human rights issues. It can make it a wrongful dismissal. So don't get bullied in that situation. Those uh, situations can get fairly tricky and very uncomfortable. Give me a call. Not only can we deal, help you deal with the insurance company if you want, but just as important, we can help get the employer off your back so that they allow you to, to, to be off and get better uh, in accordance with what your doctor says. 1-855-821-5900 is the number. Let's uh, break down the difference between being on LTD and being on a medical leave of absence. Yeah, being on LTD means you're, you're qualified under the terms of an insurance policy uh, that pays you compensation. There are terms on, on the insurance policy that outline what you need to do to qualify. You need to have some sort of a disability that's not a pre-existing condition uh, that renders you unable to work. And, and, and there's other terms under the policy. And, you know, you may qualify, you may not. But that's very different than being on a medical leave of absence. To be on a medical leave of absence, you, you have nothing to do with the insurance company. All you need is a doctor saying you cannot work. Now, an employer does not have to pay you while you're not working. Uh, that's what a disability coverage is for. So the insurance company has to pay you if you qualify. All the employer has to do is to allow you to be off work uh, until you get better. They can't penalize you for being off work. They can't threaten you. They can't demote you, reduce your pay, uh, let you go. None of that because 
you took a medical leave of absence. So you may be on a medical leave of absence and not qualify for a disability leave, uh, and, and that's absolutely fine. Your employer can say you're only allowed to be on a medical leave if you qualify for disability coverage. No, those things are separate. You can be on one and not on the other. We'll continue our LTD and disability uh, conversation uh, in a moment here. The number one 821 5900 and help at employmenthour.com. We'll get into our last few minutes here of the Employment Hour Talk Radio AM 640 and AM 900 CHML. 1-855-821-5900, help at employmenthour.com is that email. We're talking about medical leaves uh, and disability coverage, LTD, when it's denied. Uh, medical leave, medical leave absence, how long can an employee be off? Yeah, and, and you know that's where people get confused. Can I be off for a day, a week, a month? Well, it, it's actually quite simple. There's no time limit. You can be off on a medical leave as long as the doctor says you can't work. Maybe it's a day, maybe it's a week, maybe it's a month or a year or longer. Uh, it's not up to you to decide that. Your doctor decides that. Now, your doctor is not just going to make the decision. Your doctor is going to consult with you, of course, but it's ultimately up to your doctor to make that decision. Your employer cannot say, well, you can only be off work for a week or a day or whatever it is. They have they have no say in the matter. It's irrelevant what they want or what the employer thinks. It's only up to the doctor, and if your doctor says you're going to be off work indefinitely, We'll examine you again in six months, and then we'll see where you're at. Maybe you've had a serious medical condition. That's fine. Your employer can't do anything about it, can't penalize you, threaten you, tell you that you've quit, etc. None of that is legal at all, not even close. So there's no time limit. There's people that have been on a medical leave of absence for years. They're still at law, still employees with the right to come back to work as long as the doctor is backing up their, their absence. Does the uh, employer or can they require that employee to go see a second opinion, another doctor? You know, that does happen sometimes when an employer says, well, you know what, we want you to get another opinion. We're going to find the doctor and and, and pay them and have them give us an opinion about you. Mm -hmm. Usually, no. An employer cannot require you to go see another doctor as long as what your doctor is saying is clear. If your doctor is clear about his or her conclusion that you can't work or that your limitations are as follows – then that's it. Your your former employer or your current employer can't say, well, we don't like that answer. We wanted to see if we can get a different answer. The only time where it may be more legitimate to ask for uh, an, an opinion, another opinion, is if your doctor is not clear or maybe there's conflicting medical information. Maybe your family doctor says one thing and the specialist you went to says a different thing and the employer is you know, all confused and caught in the middle. At that point, they may say, well, we want another opinion to try to figure out what's going on here. That is very, very rare. In most cases, an employer cannot require you to, to get a second opinion, uh, and it's absolutely fine to say no. I have my own doctor. If you have a specific question from my doctor, we can see if we can get you an answer for it, but I'm not going to see another doctor. Absolutely. Now, the insurance company can ask that, though. Yes, Different, because, right? yeah. yes, an insurance company can require you to see a doctor because they have that right under the terms of the policy. Under the terms of the policy, they, they do have a right to, to get an opinion of their own, but that's between you and the insurance company. It has nothing to do with the right. employer. The employer can't say, well, we'll only let you be off work if you see another doctor. That's wrong. They can't do that. If they do try to go that route, you really, really should give me a call. Wrap up our last couple minutes here with an email, uh, help at employmenthour.com. Sean says, I own a small business of five employees. One of the employees has recently gone off on a disability leave. I have no idea how long he will be away. Is there a way to find out? Can I hire someone to take over his job? 
Well, first of all, let's talk about how long he's going to be away. Well, if you don't have that information, you absolutely should ask. You should ask the employee to go to their doctor and give some sort of information as to how long they'll be off. Now, the doctor may not know, uh, but the doctor should be able to give you some guidance, at the very least tell you when they're going to be re-examined again or what the prognosis is. So you should ask, and if you ask the question, the employee has the obligation to get that information. The employee can't say, well, I'm not going to go speak to my doctor and find out when I'm expected back to work. I'm just not going to do it. If the employee refuses to get that information, that absolutely is something that that's a problem for the employee. You may be able to consider them as having resigned potentially if they do that. So ask the question. It, it, with respect to the second point, which is, can I hire someone to replace them? Here's the thing. If you need that position filled in order to for the business to continue running properly, yes, you can hire someone to fill that position. I would wait to find out how long the person's going to be off, but if it looks like they're going to be away longer term, yes, you can hire someone to 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 replace them and you that doesn't mean you're letting the other person go. All it means is that you have someone doing the job and when the other employee is ready to come back to work, you're going to assess your ability to take them back and you're going to try to find the position for them. But for now, if the business needs the person to, to, uh, to be hired in order to continue operating, you can, you do have a right to operate your business, that's fine, but do find out when the employee on a disability leave is expected to come back to work first. We'll uh, wrap it for another week. The number is one 821 5900 In the meantime, uh, the email is help at employmenthour.com. If you need to check this out, you should. It's called severancepaycalculator.com as well. Until next time, the Employment Hour right here. Talk Radio AM 640 and AM 900 CHML.